Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. All right. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Geek Vibes Live Review. For this episode, I'm your host, Tia, and I have with me again, Kelly. How are you doing this evening, Kelly? Um, well, it's daytime, Tia, but I am doing fantastic. How are you? Oh, <laughs> uh, whenever someone decides to view this, maybe it'll be evening for them. <laughs> when I'm on an interview call for Geek Vibes Nation and I say something like that, and then it's like face palm, face palm. <laughs> I just try and keep rolling with it instead of going, good e- uh, afternoon. Yes, I'm sorry. Afternoon. I'm sorry. It's okay. But um, Kelly and I are back for another review episode of Netflix's Unsolved Mysteries. So last week we did the first episode, which kind of went through the case of Ray. And this week was called 13 Minutes, I believe. I don't have my I should probably have my notes in front of me, Um, but (laughs) doing this in the car, um, but yeah, so it is the case of Patrice, kind of a similar situation where the main person in the episode goes missing for an extended period of time, and they unfortunately find her remains. They don't find her alive, and obviously, since it's on Unsolved Mysteries, they have not found the killer yet. But I wanted to say before we went any further, I don't know if you've seen Kelly, but apparently since this season, season 15, has hit Netflix, that apparently there's been a lot of tips coming in for the cases that were featured in this season. Which is awesome. That's actually something I believe I mentioned on our uh, first podcast on the series, that one of the the good things that I hope comes out of this is maybe some more closure for the families uh, or some new evidence that comes to light. You know, a lot of these things, again, happened, uh, you know, back in the early 2000s um, or even 10 years ago. And technology just has continued to advance and we have new ways of uh, studying DNA and studying fibers and things that can be found on remains and hopefully Um, some good can come of that. Yeah, me too, because this one, like last week, I told you I felt like I was so invested in Ray's story, and I feel the same about Patricia's, is it Patricia or Patricia? I need to have, do you have your notes in front of you? I have them them in front of me, so I got you. Uh, (laughs) Patricia, you said, right? Yes. Okay, I felt the same way about Patrice, right? Because she seemed like a nice woman. She was raising this kid who, I don't know if you caught this, Polly and I were watching it, and he didn't catch it at first, that the guy, her son, who now is an adult, he was, I believe, 13 at the time, um, is... uh, 15. His name's Pistol, by the way. That's what I was going to say. I was leading up to that, that his name was Pistol. I was like, okay, all right, there. But, um, yeah, so he was saying that him and his mother were close. Him and his mom and his dad, his biological father, are separated. And 
what Kelly pointed out to me before we came on this show in an IM because she said that I believe you were referring to this and not something else that this changed everything. And uh, so, so the mother Patrice asked pistol when he's a teenager, you know, if anything were to happen to me, if I were to disappear, where would you go? And he didn't think anything of it. And then literally two weeks later is when she disappeared. So, I mean, in your opinion, you know, Patrice had to have felt like something was a danger to her to even ask that, because that is such a motherly thing that she's so concerned with her kid. Like, okay, if something happens to me, what is going to happen to my child? Um, you know, she was clearly a very loving mother, and when they were interviewing her friends, I believe Nancy was the one that said she would never just abandon her son. So when I sent that to you right before the show, it was because I was just reviewing the episode, and I read that that was something she had said to him. He apparently didn't think anything of it of the time. Of course, he's 15 years old. But uh, that kind of changes things for me because I don't remember um, hearing that when I was watching the episode. So the fact that she had asked him, you know, what would you do if I disappeared, to me now makes me think either uh, she was worried that something was going to happen and, and she knew something was coming or that she may have even orchestrated a getaway gone wrong, let's put it that way. Um, you know, she thought she was in danger, whether it was her husband or she got wrapped up in something just like Ray that she didn't mean to get involved with, and she might have tried to escape, uh, even if it was for a limited time and someone found out and it just went in the wrong direction. So it just gave me a different perspective than I had literally 30 minutes ago before we <laughs> so I thought that was very interesting yeah and the thing is is that they go over Patrice is remarried to this one gentleman who Pistol does say that for about the first year he was good to him he was a good stepdad and then suddenly that changed it went into very uh, abusive behavior very verbally abusive he recalls one day playing video games with a friend and the stepfather said some really nasty words to him as he passed by and there was talk from pistol saying that the mother had been exploring divorce as an option for years but when they interviewed the stepfather the husband he said that they were happy that there wasn't any problems pistol was making that up and i have a lot of like conflicting feelings about the stepfather and i i want to ask you what your feelings are first before i dive into what i feel about him i have a lot to say about the stepfather so i'm going to try to just take it in little chunks um but <laughs> as, as far as your comment on having conflicting feelings i really I really do, too, because think about from a teenage perspective, a stepmother, a stepfather, sometimes teens aren't as receptive. And from their point of view, it's, it's coming into their territory and there's just not a great relationship there. So there is that side that that could be a possibility in the way that Pistol remembers it, um, you know, was just 
just a normal teenage boy reacting to his mom being with someone new. Um, but with that being said, there's much more evidence uh, pointing towards that he wasn't such a great guy. Uh, even her friends had confirmed that. And it sounded like he was very possessive um, and very controlling, which obviously could lead uh, down a dark path if, you know, they feel like you, if someone who is controlling feels like the other person is outside their grasp or they're unable to manipulate their movements anymore, um, then it, it, it gets to a different level and it could become violent from there. Yeah, absolutely. And the guy was not the nicest person. Even in the interview, he was a bit abrasive. And the thing is, though, is that I don't personally believe that he had anything to do with her death. And I say that because he could literally have just been those type of old traditional men who are, you know, crabby or, you know, um, were raised a certain way of how men should behave because I did, and you know, thank God I'm not a detective or anything or a psychologist or something, but in his interview, I mean, he did genuinely seem to love the mother. He was tearful speaking of her. Um, He was seemingly very offended that Pistol or anyone would even dare to say that he did have anything to do with her death. He could have realistically been oblivious to how unhappy she was, which does not at all take away from the fact that she was feeling those feelings or that he was behaving in a certain manner just in his mindset and how he felt about it. But, and again, I say this because he requested her, her remains that seemed to me. And again, you could say, Oh, well, that's someone who maybe is very remorseful because they were involved. But to me, that just didn't scream that. But I will say before I pass it back over to you is that I did not think it was right if he did, because again, this is a he said, he said situation, um, if he did deny Pistol his mother's remains, I don't agree with that at all. Right, I agree. Um, I'm very conflicted whether or not I think he's involved. His, uh, I guess, main alibi is that receipt he had, and there's no way he could have traveled, um, but I don't think that rules out another party being involved or this being planned out. With that being said, just like the rest of uh, these episodes, there's always just you battling in your mind with which way does it go, right? And that's kind of the beauty of, of the series. But going diving back into Rob, um, there were a lot of times during the interview that I felt that he was very inauthentic. Um, the mm-hmm. fact that the night Patrice disappeared, he changed the locks to the house. He wouldn't let uh, Pistol come inside. He was 15 years old at the time, remember. He couldn't even get clothes, supplies, um, you know. And again, he played it off as he was worried uh, for his life and his protection. But in the same manner, if you were so worried, despite your relationship with your 15-year-old stepson, you would think you would take the necessary measures to ensure they're safe as well. So I found that a bit, a bit creepy. Um, and he just, his possessiveness just continued to 
escalate and get eerie as the interviews went on. Um, you know, he had this weird look of satisfaction when he was talking about having the morgue reassemble her skeleton, which mm. I I don't know if that's a normal request, but to me that that was very disturbing, especially because it had been 600 days since they found her remains, um, and and she was in pieces. Unfortunately, very that's very morbid. Um, but and, and but, not to interrupt you, I'm sorry. I, I did find it a bit strange that he said that he took her skull. And kind of danced around with it. Um, I don't know if you remember that. Carrying it around and kissing it goodbye before they cremated her remains. And um, if you look at some of the past crimes, and not necessarily on Unsolved Mysteries, but if you follow any of the type of true crime documentaries that are out there, and you look at the psychology behind people who do murder a lot, like to keep little keepsakes from their murders or, or something, you know, from the deceased person to remind them of, you know, that uh, murder killing. I don't know how to put that in an eloquent way right now, but, you know, so to me that felt like, uh, I felt like he was doing that with her ashes. Um, let's, I mean... Let's dive into for a second, because I know the internet had, like, an uproar over this about him cuddling with her remains as if it were, you know, a teddy bear night after night. Uh, what did you think about that, Tia? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit strange. I, you know, fortunately have never had to deal with the death of a loved one in that sense, um, or in any sense, you know, um, and so I don't know how that would affect people. I know that everyone grieves differently, so you can't really judge, but it does point to some abnormal behavior from a person who seemingly looks like they kind of strive in being the a tip you know the typical man uh being very normal and the fact that he was exhibiting all this abnormal behavior is certainly interesting um unless he had a shit ton of guilt from a being maybe a terrible husband and he it could be that he knows that he was not a good husband and he just didn't want to admit that on TV, or it could be some guilt over having killed her because if not him, people seem to really like Patrice. Um, she was, you know, at a, there. it's a small town. Yeah. Yeah. It, it didn't seem like she really had any, enemies um other than him so in reality i mean and then also now that i'm thinking about it did the stepfather try to insinuate at some point that pistol may have had something to do with it i believe so i mean he the thing that i think is weird with the ashes too is he 
he wouldn't uh, give pistol ass, uh, pistol access. Wow. Where was I going with that? Uh, <laughs> access. He wasn't even able to claim, you know, family photos. And um, I don't think that Rob had any problem with revealing things during his interview because he revealed quite a lot of things that I was very surprised anyone would say or admit to in an interview like cuddling with the ashes. But then we later find out um, that he's been holding on to these ashes for years. They are literally stuffed into a plastic bag, into a cheap ass box in his closet, and they've been shelved away just like a forgotten pair of shoes, right? Um, so I think it's really weird that you know, the son really wanted access to this. He wouldn't let him, but it's not like he put him in a nice urn. It was, you know, in a little, like, area of his living room where there might have been photos or, you know, a little memoriam to her. He just put it in the closet, and in the interview, he said this was the first time he had taken them out. So it just feels like he threw her in a trash bag into a closet and... That was that. Yeah, I thought that that was very peculiar, too, because, um, again, I don't have much experience in this round, but anyone who I do know who's had a loved one cremated usually puts it in a nice urn. Um, I know, say, my aunt for her cats back in the day put them in a nice urn. So, you know, the fact that he has his wife in just a dusty old box, I thought was very strange. And I just, I couldn't get over the fact that why did you not want your son, uh, not your son, your stepson to have anything? Um, you could have just given him a little vial of the ashes. I mean, you didn't even have to give him the entire thing. Um, photos, something. Something. So I felt that that was very strange. I felt very bad for the son. Um, it seems like, you know, his mother was his best friend. And so to have it where he couldn't even have anything tangible from her was really unfortunate. And that to me, anything else in the episode was almost like a mute point. Um, compared to, say, the dynamic between the stepfather and Pistol. I agree. And and just looking side by side, again, like you said, everyone grieves differently, and they can grieve bizarrely. We, we can't necessarily pass judgment on someone's coping mechanisms, right? But when you did look at Pistol side by side with Rob, you could tell Pistol was very much still grieving all of these years later it had he's just watching him was like heartbreaking Um, he seemed very affected by it it seemed like it was a part of his everyday life and that it affected the path that his life went down Um, whereas Rob kind of stated facts as if they were facts and there didn't feel like there was emotion behind it and again this could just be a way of compartmentalizing what you're feeling, um, and it's easier to do that than let the raw emotion out. But uh, it just seemed ingenuine from my perspective, um, though, again, it's very hard to, to pass judgment on the way people grieve. 
Something that they never kind of went through in the episode that I'm wondering if it had anything to do with anything is that Pistol does mention at some point that even though his parents were separated, they were still best friends. He said that his father still came over frequently. They still talked, you know, maybe even on a daily basis. And I'm wondering if that had anything to do with how angry the father the stepfather was all the time and it's like if he couldn't say take it out on the ex-husband then his way was to take it out on the son of the ex-husband right and we don't know to the depth of that to your point uh she clearly had a great relationship with her ex-husband and uh they were beyond amicable they did see each other and We don't know to the extent of his possessive nature how much that tipped him off. Um, And the fact that she, you know, was pushing for a divorce or mentioned that she wanted a divorce before her disappearance, we don't know, was she rekindling the flame with her ex-husband? I mean, that could have had a huge bearing on um, what happened to her. Yeah, I'm assuming that the ex-husband didn't really want to be on the documentary because we only see a glimpse of him uh, when Pistol is kind of showing that his uh, father raises chickens and all that. So that was still there, which um, made me happy because he just seemed so destroyed and lonely. And uh, I'm glad that he had some kind of support system there for him. Yeah, I would have been really upset if we found out that the father had since passed, too, because then, you know, he wouldn't have had anyone. So I would have really felt bad about that. I was kind of waiting for that, and thank God it didn't happen. But um, I did want to move on and kind of ask a question in comparison to, say, Ray's case, because Ray's was the first, so I feel like, and since, to me, these cases are somewhat similar, Um, because there's a huge chunk in between that no one knows anything about. Did it seem like to you, though, that the sheriffs in Patricia's town were a lot more eager to solve her case as opposed to raise? I do, because they did have the two suspects, which I'll talk about in a second, but... Um, that goes back to my feeling that with Ray's case, I think there is some kind of cover-up involved. I think um, someone uh, on the police side was involved as well. It just seemed to be swept under the rug without a second thought so very easily. There was only one or two people that seemed to be on the wife's side. But in this case, they were actively and eagerly looking um, at suspects. And I think it's it was super strange that there were two suspects that both uh, basically either admitted to the murder or had details, which um, Alec made a point they could have seen on TV and just reiterated that, which is very true. Um, But I just don't understand why these two men would name Patrice as one of their victims, and then both of them wound up even though they were suspects, there was no evidence linking them to kidnapping or murder. So I thought that was crazy, too, because that, as you're, as you said, that seems like such a little part of the episode for some reason, but it really is such a huge aspect to the case that the cops were really pushing hard. We see these interviews, we see the men describing how they went about it, and 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 to the extent of the thrill of it, um, and there was 
never anything that could put them at that spot or link them to the murder. Yeah. And what did you think about the woman who they had interviewed and her saying that, uh, you know, she had witnessed Patrice and the sheriff saying to her, essentially, I think you were most likely the last person to see Patrice alive. And the woman, I'm sorry, go ahead. (laughs) The look on your face. That made me so upset. I felt so bad for that woman. Can you imagine someone telling you that? Just think about your everyday life. You might drive by something or walk by something and be like, hmm, I usually don't see that like that or whatever. But, you know, your first reaction isn't, I should stop and investigate this. So they put um, a very, very huge burden on that woman's shoulders when they said that because she now had this guilt of why didn't I stop and do anything when I noticed the car wasn't parked where it was normally parked. There was that other car pulled right up to the front. So I I felt so bad, honestly, for her that they had said that to her because I can't imagine what that does to you mentally when where you're just kind of questioning your actions over and over and you just feel kind of stuck in that loop. Yeah, and she seemed to really um, feel that burden on her shoulders. I mean, she was saying that she thinks that every single day, why didn't she do anything? And I was talking to Polly about it. It's like, you didn't know. Um, you didn't know that that was what it was because as you said, it literally was just passing by. Um, it was a blink and I don't think that she should feel that much, that responsible um, and I didn't think of it, but now that you're saying it, yeah, the cops definitely shouldn't have said that to her. That's not something that you kind of just throw out there like, oh, you were the last person you're probably to see her life. Yeah, it's your fault. So I, I didn't even think about that. More, my mindset more so was like, oh, well, why does she feel like this? You know, don't. Uh, it's not your fault. But thinking about it, that the cops could have certainly omitted that um, from their little investigation. I was also thinking how um, the position of her car was like a big focal point of the investigation. It had always been parked to the side, and it was um, – on the front with, you know, sideways to the front. And, it was a, and then it was a big car as well. Right. So in my mind, one of the things I thought of was, well, what if she had purchased products, a piece of furniture, something, plants, who knows? And she had them in the back of her truck, pulled up because she was walking them in and out of the salon. I mean, that's right. always a possibility. Now, obviously, the the blue car, I think maybe it was a Chevy, or I don't know if they even narrowed down what the car was, but, um, you know, was in a weird position as well, so that throws it all off, but um, my original thought with our car positioning was she could have put it there to carry something inside or carry something out, you know, that it doesn't necessarily mean just because her car was parked in the front instead of the side that, you know, something was had gone terribly wrong. So, you know, to that lady's defense who feels like she was the last person who saw her. <laughs> I mean, even so, um, I mean, I don't put any blame on her. Again, you're going about your day. I do think, though, and 
I'm, it's just a commentary because you and I are from New York. I think it is a bit of different cultures. I think people in the South and smaller towns do kind of take it upon themselves to have that much responsibility. Like, all right, real talk. How many times do you drive by someone who's on the side of the road and they're like missing a wheel and they're obviously staying there like stressed as hell? You don't stop. You just keep driving. You're like, oh, that sucks for that person. But, you know, as someone who, like, personally knows people who live in the South, they would actually go off to the side and help that person. So I think it also could just be a difference of uh, the fact that it is a small town and you should do your neighborly duty. And maybe that's why she feels so responsible for it. That is a, that's a really good point, Tia. I mean, we live in an area that's very fast-paced, very crowded. It's an urban area versus maybe a more secluded area where everybody knows everyone and it's a small town. You do stop for things that seem out of the ordinary. Um, You know, I can say that I have, you know, witnessed things that were strange, seeing people on the side of the road, and I I have called the cops just to report it, um, but I myself haven't stopped, and that um, also just comes from a place of feeling unsafe, feeling like I don't know if I were to stop, what could happen to me, and, um, you know, and and when you're in a town where you know everyone, you, you don't you know who that is on the side or whatever. So you don't, you don't double think, you know, your actions or stopping to help because you grew up with that person, you know, their kids, your kids go to school together, whatever it may be. Yeah, 100%. That's really what I think it is. Um, And to your point before, no, they didn't ever narrow down the car. Um, I think that it's about three cars, models that are very similar that could be the car, but they do know that it's uh, a similar fashion and the color, but that's it, you know? So at this point, do you see this case ever being solved? I mean, the, the optimist in me hopes I, you know, I would always keep my hopes high, especially now, uh, you know, that they're putting this footage back on TV after so many years, you know, you never know what might come to light or whatnot, but, um, I just want to say real fast, one of the things I didn't say was that Rob had a degree in criminology. That is also a huge red flag. And he said it. That is true. He said it so nonchalant, like, ends my degree in criminology, why would I do that? Like, trying to almost play the detective, and I thought that was very, like, hmm. Yeah. But, I don't remember I don't remember that at all, so that that's good that you pointed out. Yeah, I, he, he could be, he could be the sub, the, you know... He could be the person. Um, watching the episode, I really felt like maybe he's just a prick. Um, but certainly after our conversation, there's a lot to consider there. I had completely forgotten, just like you had forgotten about the uh, two weeks prior, you know, if I disappear comment, I completely forgot about that. Um, but I was going to ask, is there anything of this episode that stood out to you that you'd like to talk about and that we didn't cover already? I think we covered it all. Um, I think just to highlight once again, because we kind of harped on Rob, and I don't want anyone to um, t- 
take offense to that. You know, we're just looking at the evidence that oh yeah, <laughs> there was those two other suspects that were just completely random, didn't know her. Um, you know, who could have could have very well been the culprits as well. There just wasn't evidence there. So when you look at it from that perspective, also how many other just random people could have been out there and for whatever reason, I don't know what, um, usually it's crimes are of passion, but who just, uh, you know, decided they ran across her on a day and, and decided to do something horrible. Yeah, absolutely. No, please don't sue us. We don't have money. <laughs> we're not, we're not accusing anyone right now at all. So, um, yeah, no, that, thank you. After us. What did you say? This series has me like, please don't come after me for my views. Like, I'm scared, like, someone's going to knock on my door and be like, you think I did it? Huh? Oh, <laughs> no. Don't say that. That's awful. Um, yeah, that's that's like uh, any time I do, like, a mukbang with Cindy, which has only been, like, three times. But I'll be like, and this food is from this. And she's like, why are you saying that? Then people will know where you live. And it's like, I don't even think about that. I'm like, to show people where they can get this food. And it's like, no, I mean, someone could knock at your door. You never know. Or just uh, use TikTok. There's no safety protocols in there. And people can... <laughs> track you down so i mean we live in a world of technology it's that's that's what is um so frustrating about some of these episodes of unsolved mysteries just the time line and the time frame with which they took place we didn't have the same protocols we didn't have the same technology we didn't have the same knowledge whatever you want to call it you know it could have been a completely uh different ending or case if it had happened today versus then and that just always breaks your heart to think about absolutely i feel the same exact way it's crazy that and paul and i always kind of talk about this almost in a joke around fashion it's like man back in the day you literally could get away with murder because they didn't have what we have today. Um, and a lot is, I forget what documentary I watched, but it was one where this guy who claimed to say be like a dental uh, expert was doing everything wrong, getting all these people unnecessary time falsely. And the, he was a huge part as to why now they don't even count dental records. They count DNA because of how, you know, flip it it is. So it, it's just what the, even the methods that they used to use back then are not what they use now. So um, unfortunately, a lot of time has passed with all these cold cases. Um and who knows if they'll ever be solved, but certainly if you have information, uh, make sure you reach out because it is your civic duty. Um, but, yeah, so Kelly and I broke down the second episode of Unsolved Mysteries Season 15. Next week we'll be back for Episode 3, so we'll literally be halfway done in the season because I didn't realize that there was only six episodes. but. And why IMDb says 10. So if anyone could explain that to me, like, are we going to secretly get four more episodes? I would be more than welcome to watching four more. So I would love to know why that hasn't been updated. But that's probably why you thought it was 10 to you. 
Uh, IMDb, I've learned now. See, I thought IMDb was accurate and Wikipedia was what you had to not pay attention to. IMDb doesn't know what they're talking about because I started watching the HBO series Love Life because it said that the actor Scoot McNary, the one who played Bradley, was going to be in all 10 episodes. And I'm a fan of his, so I was like, yay! He was only in two episodes, so they lied. (laughs) Sorry, Tia. Yes, um, I uh, know how to create Wikipedia pages, and I can say that they really, um, they have people on their end that try to authenticate everything. You need to use legitimate sources for everything you state. Um, So I, I feel like even though any person can create a page, that it's a lot, it's very much so regulated. Um, and they do have people that are constantly denying, uh, you know, the page going live for X, Y, Z number of reasons. So I don't know how IMD, uh, you know, curates their content or gets their information, but um, maybe they are right and there is 10 episodes and I'm going <laughs> to pretending that there are because I want there to be, so... We'll keep our fingers crossed. But, Kelly, before I let you go, um, make sure you plug your shit right now. Let everyone know where we can find you. So much to plug. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) So uh, just follow me on Twitter. You can find me on Geek Vibes Nation, first of all. If you just go to the About Us page, you'll see me on there as an author, and you can read some of my opinions on some shows and and, um, documentaries that have come out recently and then uh, also very big on Twitter you can follow me at kcantro that's k-k-a-n-t-r-o and back to you Tia for your plug I feel like that's a very uh, channel news 12 back to you in the station there um <laughs> a, 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 a news anchor so that was my five seconds of being one <laughs> I want to be a news anchor, too, so this is the closest we'll get. Um, But (laughs) everyone, please make sure that you check out Kelly's stuff. Uh, As she said, geekvibesnation.com is our website. It has all of our social media platforms as well as all of our opinion pieces, our reviews. Um, We have a lot of interviews that just were posted from some of our associates on our Twitter page, so make sure you check that out. And, of course, I could be found on Twitter and Instagram at TFAB and I hope everyone has a great rest of your day, and we will see you next week. Wait, can I add a P.S.? Oh, yes. Everyone bother your favorite, like, TV and movie stars and be like, hey, I think you should talk to Eat Vibes Nation. We've never <laughs> plugged that before, but me and go and we reach out and we try, you know, to get traction and get noticed and, um, uh, you know, persuade people to come be interviewed <laughs> by us, but having help from fans and you guys would be um, so tremendous and, and help us get more attention. And you guys could also, you know, possibly be a participant in that with the questions we ask. And obviously you'll get to see um, some of your favorite actors and actresses. So don't forget to bug them to check <laughs> the vibes. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I didn't even think about that. That's why That's why Kelly, she's a winner here. So uh, make sure everyone you do that, and we will see you next week. All right. Bye. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. 
ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.